Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential, where you know all month long, this month of love, we're talking about leading with love. And we're talking about how to also recognize that that can make a true competitive advantage for us, both in our personal and professional lives. And my guest today has a really unique viewpoint on this. And I'm really excited about you know hearing from her, hearing a little bit more of her story, but really hearing how she had to embrace love herself in terms of... Uh, making it through some emotional journeys without a doubt. So my guest today is Susan Eckstein. She's an empowerment coach, uh, speaker, expert, and a creator of the You Do You program, which I always love saying that, You Do You. <laughs> she leads women who are ready to break the chains of conformity and find the courage and confidence to be true to themselves and live unapologetically. And the more you learn of her story, you're going to know why this is such a passion project for her. She helps her clients reconnect to their power, challenge their own stories, you know, those things we tell ourselves up in our noggins and change their beliefs to be boldly authentic. And she knows a little bit about doing things hard. And I love this. I actually stole this off of her LinkedIn profile. She's performed five of the most difficult flute concertos. She's completed three Ironmans despite paralyzing fear of open water. We'll have to discuss my tough mutter at some point in time. Left the corporate world to teach spin in her late four, late thirties, which I love. And that's not the hardest thing though that she's ever done. The hardest thing she ever did was making the truly unconventional choice to have her two boys live with their dad following divorce. And obviously, as we know, um, those kinds of choices that we make often get judged by other people. And I think she felt that and felt a lot of shame for many years, but now has learned how to take her power back and helps others as well. So uh, now today she helps other women do and make those changes and leaps that will help them find their own belief and love in themselves. So first of all, Susan, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for inviting me. This is great. I think your story is really important for so many reasons, and especially because we know, you know, divorce is one element. And I know that that led to a lot of your, your decisions for, you know, your, how you had to embrace yourself, but every day we face difficult decisions, choices, and things where we feel stuff and we've created stories that we tell ourselves that aren't always the most positive. So I think, you know, I'm really excited to learn what you do more for your clients. So with that in your own words, tell us a little bit more about you, your business, and how you help your, your clients to shock their potential. Well, what I, thank you again for having me here. Um, I'll begin by saying how I got into this work, which is you touched upon it in the beginning. Uh, about 10 years ago, I made the unconventional decision to have my two boys, who at the time were seven and nine, live with their dad following our divorce. And it really was um, quite the decision to make. It was made jointly with my ex-husband and I, um, but being a woman and knowing that 
You know, society tells us that children belong with their mom when parents divorce. Uh, I received a lot of pushback, a lot of judgment, a lot of stigma from people who were saying, why are you giving up your kids? And I really wasn't giving up my kids. My ex and I had made this really unique co-parenting arrangement where I would keep my key and I would get to see my kids anytime I wanted. And mm. it, was, it was really, really great. So the only difference was mom was sleeping somewhere else, but I continue even to this day, they're now 16 and 18. Um, young men have a great relationship with my kids. But at that time, I was doing a lot of mindset work with athletes and helping them train to do, you know, achieve their dream athletic events. And I thought, how ironic is it that I help other people with their mindset around doing things that they think are impossible, but yet here I sit and I could not get out of my own way because I was holding all of these limiting beliefs around who I was as a woman and as a mom and what was really possible for me after making this unconventional decision. So for about five years, I sat in the muck of feeling paralysis and really closing down because I was looking to society to say, hey, Susan, it's okay that you made this decision when it comes to your kids, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we grow up, we grow up saying, okay, if you wanna belong, you have to look to society to tell you who and how you are supposed to be. And so mm -hmm. I was doing that, did that my whole life, but that was not serving me anymore. Mm. So it was at that point in time that I finally made the bold decision to say, you know what, screw what everybody else is saying. If I want to have a really good relationship with my kids and show up as a really powerful mom and role model for them, I have to look inside and say, what would be best for me and my kids? And let me redefine motherhood for myself. Forget the scorecard that society hands you the moment that baby comes out and says, these are all the criteria that you have to meet. I decided, you know what, I'm gonna define it for myself and not worry. And it was in that moment when I was willing to make that decision and change my belief that I can still be a great mom, not living with my kids, everything changed. My yeah. energy changed, how I was showing up with my kids. And as a result of doing that work, that has really become the basis for how I work with my clients around helping them reconnect to themselves instead of if you've been you know, following what everybody else is doing and allowing them to dictate who and how you need to be, reconnecting, identifying their values, and then being able to find the courage to start to lead their life that way, connected to who they really are and not worrying about what other people think of them. Because I really think that that is the one big belief that holds everybody back. Everybody else's opinion is more important than your own. Yeah. So that's the kind of work that I do. You know, as you were talking, gosh, it just brought back a ton of memories for me going through my divorce with my, with my son's father. Um, and it took me a long time. So we, um, you know, we had kind of an arrangement. Well, we had, when we were separating, we had made an arrangement of, you know, 50, 50 with my son. And then somehow things, uh, changed a little on one person's perspective on that. So what it turned came down to was a kind of a 60, 40, but I got the same, uh, and I had the 40% and I had people saying the same thing. And I wrote it down as you said it, why are you giving up your kids? 
wow, what? I mean, to hear that, I know when people said that to me, I was like, no, but that's not, you know, you're trying to defend yourself. You're trying to explain, which it's nobody's business, but the whole thing that anybody would say, why are you giving up your kids? It's, it's such a leap that not only, you know, do you feel compelled to defend yourself, but that, that hits your psyche. I can see how in your, in your situation, especially you guys had a really unique, honest, um, opportunity to keep everybody invested and feel like a family, but you probably felt compelled to try and defend that all the time too. And people wouldn't understand that concept at all. Yes. And it was so funny. I literally memorized a script mm -hmm. because I knew that I was going to get the look. It was the look and it was, oh, it was that, <laughs> and that, that, oh, and it was so funny. Men were like, that's cool. You have a great relationship with your ex, you know, but women very judgy. And I immediately went into this whole story of, you know, this was an arrangement that my ex and I had, you know, came to, you know, we, we came to this decision together. I still have a key to the house. I see my kids almost every day. And it was just a defense mechanism. I yeah. always felt like I had to defend my decision to complete strangers. Yeah. Which was crazy. And today it's like, you know, I just, it just rolls off the tongue. This, this is what, what happened. I literally just, when I was at the hairdresser last week, this is the third time that I've, I've been with her and I adore her. And the first time we met, I had said that my children live with their dad. And it wasn't until this recent visit where she, she asked me more about it. And she said, I have to tell you, I just assumed that you did something. <gasps> Oh yeah. I thought, yeah. People make all kinds of assumptions. They, they do. They make all kinds of assumptions. So but you good can for see her for actually saying that out loud instead of just thinking it in her head, because mm -hmm. then you can actually have a dialogue about it. Exactly. Exactly. But if I had not done all the beliefs work and the work on all the stories that I had been telling myself around why you're a bad mother and all of these women are never going to accept you and you're never going to be able to find a boyfriend because they're going to think you're a horrible mother. All of these stories that just really kept me in this cocoon of shame. You know, once I started to do that work, there was so much freedom and mm -hmm. all, all women and men can also experience that freedom, but they have to go to those dark places that, you know, that we keep going back to because there's some, there's some security in that of, well, I can't put myself out there because I'm going to, I'm going to get all of this pushback. So I'll just stay here. But when we're willing to do that work and go in and, you know, call bullshit, then you yeah. can really, um, you just feel free and you can be yourself and you don't have to worry about what anybody else thinks about you. Yeah. I know that for me, I felt that same way for a long, long, long time, many years. My son's going to turn 30 in, uh, in April. And, um, I remember at one point in time, probably in the last 10, 15 years, somebody said, well, so how come you only got, you know, 40% or whatever. And, I, and they were basically asking the same question. What did you do wrong? And I said, I chose to get divorced, you know, and it's, um, it's, it, you know, now I embrace it because it's like, you know, there's a price to pay for everything <laughs> and, uh, and you have to make choices about what prices you're willing to pay. And, 
And, you know, sometimes things happen and they're tough. And it was, it surprised me when I said it because I was like, oh, well, I think maybe I've gotten over it. And I know that I have now because my relationship with my son, which has always been good, you know, except for when he was a teenager and, you know, it's tough having a relationship with teenage kids. Anyway, he did get mad at me totally when his dad moved 300 miles away and he did, he was going to stay with me. And then he decided that dad's was a lot easier to live in, uh, which was not the case, but, um, but it was it's, we have such a great relationship now and we talk about it a lot. And now he doesn't think anything differently of it. You know, he's like, I always had my mom and dad. So what, you know, I had some people that didn't have their moms and dads together, but it's, I think it's a lot harder on the psyche of the parents um, when we allow other people's judgments or beliefs, or even the thought that maybe they're judging us uh, to creep in there. And it, it must be hard when you're working with your clients too, to help them clear out some of those cobwebs. Oh yeah, because if you've spent your whole life, I mean, most of us get our belief system uh, from our parents or our teachers or clergy, and we grow up believing certain things are true and this is how we're supposed to be. And when we are faced with a different kind of decision that actually feels like the better choice for us, you know, be better way to go, um, we feel that internal conflict and when we feel that conflict, we really don't know what to do with it because it's like you're holding two separate beliefs that feel very, very true to you. But it's like, wait a second, who gave us what? Am I willing to give up? Like one of the things that I struggled with for a while is that my mother taught me, as did society, but my mother taught me that, you know, your kids belong with you. They came out of you. They belong with you. So for mm -hmm. me to make a different decision and say, I'm going to choose to believe something else, that meant giving up the belief that my mom gave me. And right. a lot of my clients, they feel like they will, they're actually betraying their parents by yeah. giving, by choosing to believe something different, something as, you know, as easy as, a, you know, choosing a different political party to follow. I've always been a Democrat, but I want to be a Republican or vice versa they feel some betrayal. So yeah. being able to actually release the old belief and then fully embody the belief that you want to believe, it's such a freeing thing, but a lot of people are afraid of that process. But we end up taking our power back when yeah. we do that, when we're willing to align with what feels true to us. Which is one of the things that I have been so fascinated um, in the last several years, been interacting with so many people who do coaching uh, like this and what you do, um, because uh, it just, sometimes we will never say to somebody close to us or even say to ourselves out loud, some of the things that working with a coach will allow us to say. And I think that that's why sometimes our beliefs are, you know, whatever is holding us back uh, gets stuck in a, you know, like a cog in the wheel so much because if we don't actually say things out loud, then it's easier to shove it back in that corner and just say, well, it's not really bothering me. And it's not causing that much of a problem. But when you say it out loud to someone, and I, I, I had my first experience with this uh, with a fitness coach, and uh, we're just about to start working together again. And uh, because I, when I stopped working with her, I fell off, you know, my fitness wagon. <laughs> And I need to say, and I, so I said, look, I fell off the wagon. I need, I need you to help me be accountable. But just by saying that it made me start like making sure I got the number of steps in every day again that I needed. So, you know, that saying things out loud to somebody else 
makes it not so scary, but it also means that once you put it out there, you either have to do something with it or you have to acknowledge that you're just going to suffer from it forever. Exactly. And if you, and once you say it, it actually changes the way you begin to think, to see things. It really opens you up to possibility and moves you in the direction that you want to go versus just keeping it to yourself. You know, they always say that, you know, if you're, if you want to do something and we'll use athletics as an example, if you say, I'm going to run a marathon next year and you verbalize it, you put it out into the universe and you tell your friends, they're always like, how's that training going? You know, and it just, it, exactly. it does, it, it holds you accountable and you're like, oh, now I have to do it. Yes. You know? And whatever the motivation is, but, but that external motivation can actually be helpful in certain situations. Absolutely. I did that myself. I, I've done one marathon, but I didn't say I was going to run it. I said I was going to complete it, which is what I did because I walked a whole lot of it. <laughs> and that's okay. You crossed the finish line. doesn't matter how you got there. It did. This is a, We're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor for the month. We'll be right back with Susan. Are you tired of the time and expense of going to the salon for a mani-pedi? If so, Color Street is your answer. Base, color, and top coats are blended together in an incredible polished strip that you apply yourself. The result? A brilliant salon-quality manicure in just minutes with no dry time, smudges, or streaks. These strips are 100% real nail polish, not stickers. They're flexible, can be gently stretched for a perfect fit, and last up to 10 days. I've been using them for months now and love the amazing selection of colors and styles, along with the ability to create my own unique manicure by mixing and matching. Shop today and support our sponsor, Betsy Roberts, by ordering at colorstreet.com backslash BH Roberts backslash party backslash 2095611. Again, that's colorstreet.com backslash BH Roberts backslash party backslash 2095611. Or simply click the link in our show notes. So Susan, I think we've, um, we've covered a lot of, you know, what makes your story unique to you, but I can guarantee you that people listening are going to find pieces of this that absolutely relate to them. They might not have made, had the same examples or, you know, same experiences, but all of us have had those things where, you know, it's hard to get out of our own head and love ourselves through different things. So this whole month, my theme is leading with love. And my, you know, fancy belief here is that if we all start to love ourselves a little better and we love others better, that we will continue to elevate the world. Maybe just crazy, crazy thought. Maybe we can actually start communicating rather than throwing ideas or throwing, you know, things at each other verbally. But, you know, what's, what is your take on this? What do you, what's your advice for my viewers and listeners to really embrace an idea of leading with love in their lives? Well, I think first you need to start leading with love for yourself. And one of the things that I always tell my clients is if you're ever in a situation where you're overwhelmed, you're not, what, you know, you're not sure what to do next, you've got too many things on your plate, instead of getting, putting yourself into a paralysis, the most loving thing that you can do is ask yourself the question, what is the most loving thing that I can do for myself right now? 
and then actually do the thing. <laughs> so that, that requires you to get really quiet, get really still, take a few deep breaths, and you can say it aloud or you can just say it in your head, what's the most loving thing I can do for myself right now? And what I love in that moment is that the body will tell you. So it might be that in that moment when you've got 10,000 things that you need to do, your body says you need to move, you need to go out for a run. And yes. instinctively, if you have a really long list of things to do, you're not gonna take time out to go for a run. But if you're willing to allow yourself to go for a run in that moment, you're gonna come back more relaxed with a clearer head and you're gonna end up being more productive. It's, ca it's counterintuitive. You're like, I'm the last person that I need to put on the list. Yeah. But when, you're, when you ask the question, what's the most loving thing I can do for myself right now? You're giving yourself the space to let your body tell you. And it mm -hmm. could be a different thing each time, but you're looking inward instead of out outward. You're being proactive instead of reactive. And to your point, then do it. Don't just say it. If you know, you've got to do it. Right. That and, and it's that choice right there. That means, you know, a lot of people make, can't have trouble making the jump to, I love myself. Right in that moment, actually doing the thing that your body wants you to do, that's an act of love. You would mm -hmm. do that for your child or your significant other. If they were having trouble in that moment and they needed something for you from you, you'd stop and you'd give it to them. So why not stop and give it to yourself? One thing, um, you know, I, I talk a lot um, on my podcast and in different things that I do about when I found my own mindfulness and meditation practice. And um, that has been life-changing for me, just absolutely life-changing. And uh, about a year ago, I found these um, this hypnosis meditation uh, for a gentleman named Glenn Harold. I'm talking about him all the time. I wish I got, you know, profits from every time I tell people to download his app. But they're, um, you have to make a commitment to them because they're each about 30 to 40 minutes long. But there's one that's called Raise Your Energy. And so often in my days, like uh, I just, everything's packed in and I've got so much going on, but I've done two things for myself lately is one is I always block off eight to nine and always block off my lunch. So I have lunch with my husband and between eight and nine every day, I'm getting other little things done. So I'm never rushing into my day, but I try every single day, Monday through Friday to listen to that, raise your energy about halfway through the day. So I might even eat lunch for a half an hour and then I, you know, do it then. Um, I don't always get it in because, you know, sometimes there's, there's not the opportunity, but it's such a, it feels like a gift to myself because it, it relaxes me. It put, you know, puts me into a, a different mental state, but it really does raise my energy. So when I come back from that, it's hard, you know, you're like, I can't give up 38 more minutes. Well, you really can, if it means you have more energy to give to, you know, a, a three o'clock podcast, you know, when you've been taping all day, those are the things that, uh, that when I do now, I really embrace it as this is a gift I just gave myself. This is really nice. I'm glad I did it. Yeah. And, and the fact that you're willing to do it and make it a priority, it sounds like you're putting yourself in your calendar and that's non-negotiable time. And that's, mm -hmm. and that's showing yourself some love as well, right? These, these are things that I know are going to make me feel good. And that's why 
I need to do it for myself. It's an yeah. act of love. Yeah. And every time that I disobey that, you know, that, you know, person in my head going, Hey, it's time to go out and take a walk, or it's time to do a meditation. Whenever I, whenever I, and I say disobey, because you know, your body's telling you or your mind's telling you. And if you don't do it, you are disobeying what, what you're telling. So every time I disobey it and it's been, you know, knocking out there, I always pay the price at some point in time, you know, get too tired. Maybe I get snippy with somebody. Um, maybe I don't show up as, as fully as I need to be. And so I've, I've really tried to make that a higher priority in my life. But I can honestly say that, you know, I'm almost 52. This is, it's probably been in the last five years that I've really, um, that I've really found that, that level of importance for myself. Mm. But at least, at least you have found it. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, there are a lot of people who, who never find it. And the younger that you can experience it, then it just, then it just becomes a natural habit and behavior that you, you know, you do throughout your day. So do you tend, when people come to you and they say, Hey, I really want to have, I want to work with you. And I want to, you know, I want to gain this kind of control over my life. Do you have, are you seeing more people that are our age? Do you see more people that are younger, older? Like who's, who's willing to take that stance and, and make that choice to take care of themselves? Women who are done feeling the way that they're feeling, you know, they're unfulfilled or they're conflicted, they're sad, they're depressed. Um, the majority of women I see are over 45. You know, I think with age comes wisdom where we're, we finally realize that we're ready to stop looking outward and ready to look inward. You know, a, a lot of women that I work with, it's, you know, we, we have such a freedom when we're young. And then as we start to get older and then we have kids, that voice inside of us that knows exactly who we are it gets shut down and it gets really, really quiet or dormant. And then, you know, after kids go off to, to college and maybe now we're, we're spending more time at work, that voice starts to say, hey, I'm over here. And it gets louder and louder and louder. And then a lot of women don't know what to do, but, they, and, but they're ready to do something. And I think at some point, you know, they say, I got to make myself happy. I don't care what other people think. I'm still afraid, but I'm ready to make myself happy. And I need to figure out how to do that. So women will come to me and go, I'm ready to figure out more about who I am instead of I've been, I've been the person everybody says I'm supposed to be. I'm now ready to let who I'm at, who I am out into the world. It makes me wonder, um, you know, as generations change and working environments change, and, you know, I think we're going to see a lot more people that are working from home, regardless of a pandemic, just because we've proven as a society that we can do it. And I think businesses will see, many businesses will see it as, as an opportunity to cut costs. Um, but it really makes me wonder how um, people in generations behind us are going to, to embrace themselves and figure out, you know, themselves in this changing environment, because there's got to be a point in time where you're like, well, you know, you and I used to define ourselves by the job we went to, you know, you define yourself by what your title is. You define yourself by the, you know, people that you interact with in the office. Um, but many people aren't going to have that situation. I wonder what it's going to do to their, their being able to know what their authentic voice is. I mean, cause at some well, point in time, those, those things worked for us. And then at one point they didn't work anymore. So we made a change. Right. But I, but I do think a lot of that has to do with 
how a person grew up. If you had parents who said, you know, well, what do you feel like you should be doing with your life? Instead of saying, you got to go to college, then you got to get a job, you got to do this. You know, I think that if you were given the freedom and the encouragement as a child to really explore and look inward, it will actually be an easier journey for you because you already know what that freedom to be yourself feels like. If you didn't have that, I think it is going to be harder for you than to navigate that because you're right. You define yourself. You're like, you know, who are you? And it's, I'm an attorney. And that's how you introduce yourself. And I, I remember somebody, I don't know if it was Brene Brown or someone else who said that when you go to Europe and they ask you, who are you? They're, they don't answer with your profession first, right? They say, well, I'm a dad and I'm, I'm really excited about X, Y, and Z. And they share about who they are as the whole person. And just a facet of that is, this is what I do for a living. Whereas in this country, you know, who are you? You say, oh, I'm an empowerment expert. I'm a coach, I'm a speaker. And right. you introduce yourself that way. Um, because, you know, we tend to define ourselves based on what our profession is. That is so really if, if, true. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great to say, yeah. I am a mother, a grandmother, a gardener, a cook, a wife. Oh, and by the way, I own a training company. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. I, I love it. I think, Susan, I, you're... Um, your mission, I think, is really is really valuable, and I think the 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 lessons for us um, on leading with love are are great here. And I I love and I wrote it down, you know, asking ourselves and really taking the time to ask, what's the most important thing I can do for myself right now, and then go do it. I think that is this really wise advice that uh, if nobody takes anything else away from this and practice that just once to, today or tomorrow, then already you're loving yourself better than you were before. Mm -hmm. Amen. So I know we're going to have all your contact information on our show notes, but just in case somebody wants to look you up right now, because they're like, I need her. What's the best <laughs> way for them to find you? Best way is to go onto my website, thesusanextein.com. Note that it, it is under construction, but it will be up soon. Uh, they can email me at susan at thesusanextein.com. And I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Instagram, all my handles are on there. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And I love your uh, logo, by the way, it looks great on your LinkedIn profile. I was like, that's a perfect logo. It looks fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. So before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? I would say that as it relates to leading with love, one of the great things that we're able to do is if we are willing to be intentional in setting our energy around love before a conversation or an interaction that the person or persons that we are going to be around are going to be able to feel that from us because our energy precedes us right we walk into a room people are going to feel our energy first and so it doesn't matter if it's a difficult conversation that you're going to have if you're going to go on a job interview if you're going to do a zoom call like we are yeah to just be able to say i'm going to get into the energy of love before i even speak because the person on the other end is going to feel that from us and we can always, we always get to choose that so i think if we if we all just made that effort the world would really be a much 
much better place. I, I agree. I, I think it's perfect. Susan, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us. And I am so glad to have had you as a guest today. Thank you so much. This was great, Michael. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.